So I know that both Scott and I were actually very excited when we offered Christian the opportunity to come up and lead us in a um, kind of a, a talk and a discussion on on a theme from Philippians. I actually thought you were going to say no. <laughs> so I was like, why? He said, he, he, oh, did the Lord convict you? So Because I was really very pleased and happy when you said yes. So thank you for being willing to kind of help us with this. Yeah. Anyway, he does this regularly. You know, he's a high school teacher of English, like regularly discussions on themes from books. And so it feels like a good fit for you, too. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Can I pray for you? Yes, please. Yeah. So, Lord, thank you for uh, Christian and the way you've gifted him, not just the skills he has. Um, we do bless those, but the gifts as well. God, may you be present in him and in us as he leads us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm, thanks, Peter. Um, <clears throat> I told I told Betsy only vaguely what I was going to um, share with you, um, but I think she nailed the worship. I don't think you really need me <laughs> at this point. Uh, and uh, so, I, yeah, I know I'm not in a high school classroom because you are looking like, no, you're really going to talk. This is high school. Everybody would be like, yeah, that's a good idea. We should go. We should get out of here early. Um, so a couple weeks ago, I had this revelation as I was um, very focused on the sermon. Looking across the room, I saw Jeff Bohorsky, and I realized that Jeff bears a striking resemblance to Ernest Hemingway. Can we get that slide up? Take a look at this. If, if you, you don't know what Hemingway looks, looks like, check it out. Right? So I texted him quick. Still listening to the sermon. Still fully engaged, of course. I said, Jeff, did you know about this? And, and, uh, and he said, yeah, yeah just, I, I think I'm going to get on, online and get one of those sweaters. So, next day though, I, I'm on NPR and uh, just scrolling through news stories and, and I see this one, literally the next day, Bell tolls for a Wisconsin man who wins the Ernest Hemingway lookalike contest. They're in the Florida Keys. The guy who won it is from Madison. <laughs> so, so I texted Jeff again, I'm like... This could have been you, man. This could have been you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next year. Right, right, right. Of course, Hemingway doesn't quite have the same writing talent that Jeff does. Um, Hemingway, you know, got the good looks, but you got at least you got the writing talent. Um, <laughs> yeah. They don't know who that is. They don't. Pep Guardiola is a soccer coach, a very good soccer coach. Bald is basically what Ross is saying. Um, yeah, how do we teach kids what the text says is, uh, is something that I, I spent a lot of time on throughout the year as a high school English teacher. And uh, something that we, we do that we found works is, is to be kind of um, uh, demanding in terms of like we use the word theme so loosely in our culture. I mean, last year at DeForest High School, uh, board games was the theme for homecoming, right? 
Um, so as a as a, a literary theme, board games, right? This doesn't work. So, which is fine. We use that loosely. So, right, so I, you know, I say this to students because I don't want them to think, you know, there's there's some big conspiracy out there. But we because we you use it loosely um, when it comes time to try and like dig into a text and know what it's really saying, more like message wise, um, we run into problems. And so students will will say like, you know, this this text is. Um, about friendship, right? But if they were to say, this text says friendship, right? Suddenly that one change verb says, uh, reveals that, that the communication is unclear, right? So anyway, all that is to say, preparing for, for this talk today, I thought, well, it'd be fitting um, to, to uh, right, replicate that same thing. What does the text say about uh, joy and contentment. So the teaching team had already done the work of deciphering these key ideas. Um, Peter spoke on unity, and, and uh, Scott, uh, was it last week, humility? Um, so that was given to me. Actually, I chose those, those themes, uh, and, then, uh, and then, you know, started the work of, of trying to figure out what the text says about joy and contentment. So basically, I'm back in school, right? Uh, with one week to go. Um, well, why joy and contentment? I don't know. This this might end up be being more joy than contentment, but I feel like those two kind of go together, right? Um, if only because when there's joy, usually there's contentment. I don't know if you can have contentment without joy uh, maybe that's more possible but uh at any rate they sound good together and um i i found myself thinking more about joy and um <clears throat> i boy uh this is not something that comes easily to me joy betsy would attest to that <laughs> uh, and i think our our family in general right it's a it's a journey right to find joy and contentment. Um, anyway, let's let's do this. Before I want to hear what you have to say about what you think the text is saying about joy and contentment. Um, but uh, what we're already warmed up with some clapping. That's good. I had already planned this. We'll do something that I would do in the classroom with high school students. Will you indulge me on this a little bit? It's very simple. I'll, I'm going to clap a beat, and then you're going to you're going to follow my lead. Got it? All right, it's very simple. So we'll, when we'll start very simple as well. So how about this one? Nice, nice. How about this one? Got it, one more. Yes, nailed it. Got it, good, good. Um, can you go to the next slide? So something else that I would do in the classroom, and then and this, will, this, will, this might fail a little bit. You know how technology goes in the classroom. But um, how about this? You uh, go, Slide before that. Would you answer the question, what does Philippians say about joy and contentment? On your phone, and if you and you don't want to like exclude anybody who doesn't have their smartphone handy, or or the battery's dead, or you're just not uh, into technology that way, we will hear from you as well. We can always just share verbally. Um, but if 
if you go there uh, to this site, um, you, I think it has you put in your name, and then you can just type in what you think. Off the top of your head, Philippians is saying about joy and contentment, and then we're going to try and get the, the uh, slide up or the website up real time, you'll start to see people's answers coming in. There we go. Kind of a small screen, but have it always. What's that? Oh, yeah, now everybody's spelling errors. <laughs> all grace, all grace. Contentment comes through being like the servant Jesus. Have it always. Its foundation is in Jesus. Someone said contentment in all circumstances. Contentment comes through being like the servant Jesus. Joy is rooted in knowing Christ and his resurrection. Yeah. While those are coming in, would anybody like to just verbally chip in? Just show me a hand if you want to. Joy in condiments. Love me some Grey Poupon. Joy is possible even in difficult circumstances. Mm, contentment is a loving community of faith. couple more. We're really relishing this because, you know, also in the high school classroom, somebody would have something up there that has nothing to do with the question. And probably I'd have to quickly close the screen. That's not going to happen today. Chris isn't chiming in. Uh, contentment is a loving community of faith, joy, unity, and love, and gratitude go together. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, uh, I didn't expect anything different, but I thought it would be nice just to kind of pool our ideas and and just prime right the um, the thinking toward joy and contentment. I don't know that I have anything particularly new, profound, or groundbreaking, maybe just reminders, but um, I'm serious about struggling with joy, and, and I think that's, if not subconsciously, consciously chose to speak uh, on this theme because it's it scares me the most. Um, I struggle with joy and contentment, and but I want it. Like, it bothers me that I don't have, I know that I struggle with it, but I want it. I want, I want that, um, in fact, actually, I've got Shalom tattooed on my arm, and, and initially, I just liked that idea and hadn't really thought it through, and I remember on a, uh, a trip o- overseas with Betsy when I was probably really at my worst, she, she, I think, gave me a prophetic word about that tattoo, like, this is, this is something that you will, will realize, you will be called into this, you will experience Shalom. So um, I cling, I cling to that word um, personally. Um, 
Yeah, so how or why do I struggle with joy? For me, it's about this obsession or penchant to try and control my circumstances, right? So I, find, I try to find joy by, by controlling the things that happen in my life, which is probably madness, right? But, and, and even, know, even knowing that that's not possible, uh, that I don't have that level of control, and that that's probably not the pe- best path to go down, I keep finding myself doing this otherwise. It's probably unavoidable to some extent, right? Because we have to make decisions, and we're not going to do the opposite, right? I'm going to deliberately choose things that are not going to bring me joy, but I can easily just find myself on the rails of usually in a moment of discontentedness and and anger, frustration, anxiety, whatever, realize ah, I'm just my, I'm letting my circumstances dictate my joy. Um, and I, I do think that this is a, a human predicament. So uh, certainly a cultural predicament in the West, uh, looking around, researching the topic, you see all these self-help books or Right, the, the the advice is largely about like how to master your ship, right? How to finally control your circumstances to the extent that you will really have joy. Um, I don't think Philippians can be reduced to a self help book. Um, I mean, the, the very format of the book is a letter, and I think that that says something else about joy, namely that it's. It's rooted in relationship. So that's, that's really uh, what I want to get to today. Um, <clears throat> you know, the rational conclusion would suggest that, you know, if you were locked up in prison, especially unjustly, um, you might feel anything but joy and contentment. And um, obviously this is referring to Paul, not me. Um, or if you are church planted in a culture hostile to the gospel, you might feel exhausted. And, um, and this one I do resonate. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel very exhausted living in Madison. where It's, it's, it's often not a place that's really inviting to the gospel. So um, how do I find joy in that circumstance? How do I, um, how do I seek contentment or, or feel contented? In that context, um, Paul had words about this, right? So he thinks diff- differently, and he encourages the Philippian congregation to follow his lead. Um, where in the text does he reframe joy and contentment? So I'm going to come back to you. We don't need to go to the um, uh, poll everywhere. Um, can we use this guy here? Um, why don't before I pass the mic to anyone who wants to share, take some time to, to think on this if it helps it helps you to talk in your table uh, before you formulate an answer that's great. Um, uh, otherwise, a couple minutes and then we'll pass the mic. Anybody who has thoughts on this can chime in. Yes, uh, so yeah, put it succinctly, thank you. Marie, Paul thinks differently and encourages the Philippian congregation to follow his lead. Where in the text does he reframe joy and contentment? Or, or uh, I mean, it's really kind of a repeat of my first question, isn't it? But maybe more like, can you find a particular verse 
like what does the text say? Where is there evidence in the text? What he's saying in particular about joy and content. All right. Was that enough time? Um, I've got this cheat sheet, which I just found online. I screened it. It was it's good. It's legit. Um, so if you would like to steal any of these, and maybe you even found some of these verses, I like these. It just gives you a little summary from what Paul is doing in regard to joy and rejoicing. Um, but there's probably other verses as well. So what did you find? What what uh, what do you think specifically in the text? Philippians or Paul in his letter to the Philippians is saying about joy. I find um, when he describes he's been hungry and when he, he's been full and when he's been abased and, and uh, when he's been distressed. And then it concludes with, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Joy found in negative circumstances or his reaction in a negative circumstance where he goes with that. Yeah. Oh, is it really hard to see in the back? So sorry. Um, yeah, well, I'll, I'll run down the list verbally quick after we hear everyone share. Yeah. This passage doesn't have the word joy in it, but it seems like a joyful yeah, passage. Yeah. Um, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Pretty good news. Uh, there's the theme of joy in community with fellow believers um, in Philippians 1. Uh, for in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day till now. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a couple other places where there's joy because of being with other people. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in verse, in chapter one, starting at the end of verse 18, my translation says, I will keep on being glad. And I think that's probably rejoicing. I will keep mm-hmm. on rejoicing. Because I know that your prayers and the help that comes from the Spirit of Christ Jesus will keep me safe. So there, it's, it's he's attributing joy to the prayers of others and uh-huh. the Spirit of Jesus. Yeah, and the your prayers there are a reference to the, the congregation. Of, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, Eric has one. I also picked up on the theme of joy because of your partnership with the body, but also I picked up the theme of joy by rejoicing in the Lord always Mm -hmm. and joy by being in the stream created by Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Uh, And I'm just reading um, in chapter 3 where... uh, Paul talks about the circumcision and he says rejoice in Christ Jesus 
and have no confidence in the flesh. So I'm thinking huh. the joy is found in Jesus and not in, in our fr- flesh or our strength. Yeah. There's a number of verses, that's a good one, where what he says implies, right, what the alternative is, could, could be done, right? What, what they could put confidence in the flesh, right? Which I find striking. Um, yeah, right, right. Yeah, I'm putting confidence in the flesh too often to my fault. Peter reminded me that uh, it's the kind of different and shocking idea in here is that you can have joy all the time and you Mm. can be always content. Mm. And in chapter 4, Verse 4, 5, when he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your your gentleness be evident to all. The mm-hmm. Lord is near. That's, that's how come we can have joy all the time, because the Lord is near. Yeah, yeah. So, Peter, would you say then, my initial question at, at the start of this talk, joy, it's hard to have contentment. It seems weird that you would have joy and not contentment but if you flip that you could you could not be feeling joy but you could be content yeah. <laughs> how's that yes <laughs> i do think it's say. possible to not be filled with joy but to experience contentment yeah. but it, that depends on how we define joy i gotta get sure out of here. right sure yeah yeah if joy is a is a feeling yeah Right. right. I looked, you know, so I was poking around. I did want to see, like, what, what does the culture say or what other sources say about joy? And on Harvard's medical site, they distinguish right at the top. They have this, this whole page about joy and finding joy. And it's, it's pretty good. I think a lot of it is like science catching up to what we already knew from Scripture, right? There's, there's not a, like, they're not saying, like, in the poll everywhere, you need a foundation in Jesus, obviously. But um, they did differentiate between joy and happiness, which I thought was interesting. And they said, basically, joy is something that is, is constant, is not dependent on circumstances. Um, so... Uh, whether or not we call that contentment when we're not feeling it, I don't know. But um, <clears throat> I found that interesting. Well, I, uh, gosh, I didn't always want to be an English teacher, by the way. It was a sophomore year in, um, uh, I, I was at a community college and um, had had taken a break from school and, and, and went back. And before I eventually landed at Drake University, I did a semester at Des Moines Area Community College, and I was I was uh, not sure what I wanted to do. I wasn't even sure that I wanted to teach, but I had this professor named David Gavin, and he uh, was from Galway, Ireland. He had this tweed jacket and salt and pepper hair, and he reeked of cigarette smoke in the best possible way. And uh, and and you know, so he had this heavy accent, and he would he just absolutely had a passion for good writing, and, and so he would read right passages of his favorite texts and you know most of, I think the other classmates of mine were sleeping but I just like I I was soaking it up and his his joy around literature was contagious and it produced in me this 
impulse, like I wanted to share that with other people. And it really, I think this, I attribute my decision to go into teaching of this experience in, in wanting to bring this to students. I also had a pretty typical experience in high school myself, which was I didn't really want to be there and uh, didn't find the energy in learning um, until, until my time with Professor David Gavin. And it was at that point that yeah, I really wanted especially to go to kids who were like me, who were lacking that joy, and, and share that somehow through, through reading and writing. So 20 years on, and I'm still on that mission, and I'm going to find one student. Still, I'm still going to find that student sooner or later before I retire. Um, no, but I, I think that, uh, you know, that that is, teaching is a grind, and I'm often exhausted and stressed, but I also, it always happens at the end of the year when I'm just like so excited for, for a break, and then I drive away from the building, and then all of a sudden sadness sets in, and I already realize I'm going to miss somehow that that stress and anxiety right and I, I wonder if that's somehow similar right to the joy that we have access to as believers in a moment of struggle in and certainly in moments of triumph that's a no-brainer it's about what about in the low moments right where is the joy and contentment to be found in in those moments um I think it's really cool that we're still able to enjoy even like trivial worldly things that bring us happiness. I'm not saying indulge in things, but there even if like a, a good piece of art or a, a meal with friends and family, it's almost like because our foundation is established in a joy that isn't dictated by our circumstances. Um we're then on this platform to enjoy those other, what do we want to call them? Uh, blessings, gifts, great moments, simple things even, right? All the more. Um, so I, we know that, that true joy is found in the gospel, uh, right? And we, so we're, we're you know, set in that foundation, but then this doesn't mean that we don't also experience um, these other blessings um so all this is to say when i think of joy in this way i want to share i'm prompted to share i want others to experience this i I do want students to enjoy poetry but more so i want them to experience or people not even just students uh experience a full joy like what's on offer through jesus christ um and uh you know if you look at philippians a letter from paul talking to the congregation the congregation being one where, um, I remember Tim Mackey's video, Linda, that you had shared, right? And he, him talking about, like, this is not a place with hyper-nationalistic patriotism. They didn't really want to hear uh, the gospel. So a hostile place, but certainly still people, Paul believed, could see, could um, be drawn into something different, a joy that was different that wasn't about your circumstances um 
So my message is really simple to, to wrap things up today. I, I want our congregation to experience this joy, and I want us to share it. I mean, really, I think Philippians, some, I'm guilty of this in the classroom. We like look at a text and overcomplicate what it's trying to say when really it's pretty plain. I think that it is plain in Philippians. Um, and, he, and he says even those verses that don't specifically use the word joy or rejoice. He says it throughout uh, the book. Um, I think the stakes are high, and I think the the reward is more joy. Um, you know, the culture is constantly trying to tell us ways, finding ways without Jesus to find joy, to find happiness, to, to be content. And, um, you know, I'm not saying... Taking a walk to decompress after a long day doesn't bring you joy, right? Those are still good things. I, I just think that those things aren't the sole reason, aren't, aren't the like fundamental thing that's going to make me joyous. And it's something that right we talk to, to our kids about, right? That we, we don't just try to control the circumstances. We want something deeper uh, than that. And, and I... It, and it's in community. So um, hearing hearing stories of joy, he, praying for others, all of those things that you all mentioned that you are seeing in the text as well are real. And it, 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 right in a hyper-individualistic culture where we um, try to achieve our own joy individually, we realize that we don't, we don't have to go, uh, go about it this way. Like we have a community of people to share joy, to encourage toward joy. So I actually have a story uh, to finish with. This is a new story. You go to the next slide, Ross. There's, um, I, I went and dug this up. I shared this with uh, my family at the dinner table not too long ago. Um, and I figured there was still, I knew that it made news back in Iowa over 20 years ago. This is from 2001. I, I had... Uh, uh, I've shared my testimony before, just the brief version is kind of like wandering, prodigal son style, and then coming back uh, to Jesus. And I was working at the Olive Garden, that fine Italian restaurant, um, met the bartender there, um, this very small woman named Lindsay. And she was kind of quiet, but something about her like exuded peace she just seemed different and being a, a a new christian or newly devoted christian you kind of like have the feelers out for this right like i think Lindsay might be a believer there's something about her i never got the chance to talk to her about this but then one day Lindsay didn't show up to work and we found out it was because she had fallen asleep at the wheel driving home I think to uh, Waverly, Iowa, a small town where she was from. She was not from Des Moines. And she'd fallen asleep at the wheel and crashed her car and then ended up trapped in a stream bed for five days after the car crash. Let me just read you uh, a little bit of this article <clears throat> and, uh, and then wrap things up and we can get some food. A seriously injured woman trapped in her wrecked car for five days said Tuesday that she felt no pain when she awoke after the accident. I knew I had fallen asleep behind the wheel. I wasn't in any pain. The hand of God really helped me out, said Lindsay Margaret Song Thomas. 
The 18-year-old said she had known her left thumb and right wrist were broken, but didn't know about her broken ribs and jaw and other injuries. Her smile with a scar curling from her lip revealed the absence of her front teeth. The Lord was with me, and that's why I wasn't in any pain. Thomas was driving to a one-day construction job in Waverly from her suburban Des Moines apartment when the car went off Interstate 35 and slammed into a concrete culvert. It came to rest in a stream bed with the cold water trickling through the car. Around her feet, she could not move. Her legs were broken and pinned in the wreckage of her small car, a tan Ford Escort, which could not be seen from the freeway. Anyway, it goes on more to just the plight that she was in, and she continuously gives praise to God. And so I just, I, I, I was struck by that, and this memory came up again in thinking about this talk. I feel some kind of real lasting joy in hearing that. I'm empowered by that. I'm encouraged by that. And what's true is we are going to face difficult times. <laughs> um, hopefully not a crash in a stream bed or any of it I don't wish upon us, but um, it's, it's probably inevitable. And I just, I find it remarkable that she was able to go through that. I wish that I could say if, if, if uh, I was going through something similar that I would have the same response and, and by the grace of Jesus, maybe I would. Um, but uh, the book ends with, with Paul sharing stories. Timothy, Epaphroditus, right? So um, we're going to eat a meal together. I, know, I love that we have testimony Sundays where we share things going on, but what a magnificent gift. Your joy journey doesn't have to be something you do individually. Um, we're faith community Bible church. Maybe faith community joy sharing Bible church is what we could call ourselves or think of ourselves as. Um, sharing stories, hearing the way, encouraging one another on our joy journey, I think, is, is something maybe on the surface seems predictable or, or even cliche, but I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I think it's something that's way more profound and way more needed, and if nothing else, probably a, a sort of antidote for us against trying to find joy in our circumstances or, or some other way. I want to, um, Christian asked for this, that we could do a little bit of prayer around our tables. Do you want to do the worship first or after the prayer? Throwing it at you. Do you want to do the worship first or no prayer at the table? Ross wants to share the photo. <laughs> that is striking. So, okay, well, why don't we do this? Let me, let, me, let me share a reflection from Christian's message to us. Thank you, Christian. That was really helpful. Very fun. Fun to see him up here uh, doing something that is in his wheelhouse, kind of in his element too, but also expressing himself to us. So I appreciate your vulnerability. Let me share this, and then we'll do worship, and then we'll pray. All right. So um, I, I hear that call to the, the, the answer to joy and contentment is relationship. It's, it's the Lord. Right? That's the answer. 
Um, it's not in our circumstances or our situations, it's in him. And, in, and if you know at the end of Philippians, it says, he says, um, uh, um, where's that part? Um, whatever, um, he talks about whatever is good, whatever is righteous, whatever is pure, right? Focus on those things, right? Reflect on those things. That's what's important to keep in mind. And yet it's hard. I was listening to it. You guys listen to Hidden Brain. The Hidden Brain starts out this week with this, uh, this reality that for most of us, we don't focus on the good things in our life. We focus on the negative, right? the difficulties that we face and the hard things. So it's easy to practice. We call it, well, I, church I was in for years, we call it the practicing the presence. Practice the presence of, of negative rather than positive, right? of things around us. So it's a challenge. And sometimes we need help for that. Sometimes we need brothers and sisters to come alongside and pray for us and help us to pray, to pray over us, to remind us of, of what we have in the Lord and the Lord's presence with us. So we'll do that in a little bit. We'll start off with some worship, and then when we're done with that, we will be praying around the tables, and I'll lead us in that when that happens. We're going to sing we are, they'll know we are Christians by our love. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that all unity may one day be restored. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. 
is so grand, Lord. It's so amazing. We bow down to you. We want to be next to you. We want to be one in your kingdom, in your life, your life in us, around us, through us. We need to plug into you. We're only the branches. You're the vine. We come to you. We we join ourselves to you, Lord. You are the source of all love. Help us to be that and let that overflow. Help us to lay down our selfishness and to choose love. Amen. You can just leave this on. Around your table... Um, why don't you, if there's someone who particularly is like really struggling to experience joy or contentment right now, just you can ask for prayer. And if there is no one, then why don't you just pray in general for each other and for our body? All right. We'll spend a couple minutes doing that now. Yeah. Anyone in, in particular table just really struggling with experiencing or needs joy and contentment in their life right now? Lord, thank you that you know us. You know our circumstances and our situations. You know the thoughts on our hearts and in our minds. You know the feelings we're experiencing and the reason for them. You know why we do what we do. Um, You are familiar with all of our ways, Lord. You know what we're going to say before we say it. And you are present with us. You hem us in behind and before And you lay your hand upon us. You are present with us. You love us. Help us to be aware of your presence, God, regardless of our situation, our circumstances, or our feelings. Help us to learn, Lord, to find contentment and joy in relationship with you, despite all the other things that are going on around us. Help us to be a place of peace, God not just for ourselves and for our families, but in, in order to honor and glorify your name as a testimony of your presence with us. Thank you for this morning, Lord, and your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.